Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I, I, I want to get to my message, but my life changed in 2001 and I started to speak secularly and we toured with Tony Robbins and Richard Branson and a whole bunch of guys. I toured with Arnold Schwarzenegger once. That was interesting. He said, you have great taste in women. I said, you don't. <laughs> well, leave that alone. But look, if I don't offend you publicly, come and see me later. I'll do it personally, okay? But... but but out of that, God told me to take that message, and, and my, this, is, this is not me saying it, but uh, Glenn Twiddle, who's one of the top, um, well, real estate minds in Australia, says that through our work, we've raised more, raised more first-generation millionaires than anyone else in Australia, first-generation. And in the last 12 months, six of our students, from a standing start, have become bestsellers and six-figure incomes and everything. Because let me tell you what I teach. I teach this. Let let me try it again. I teach this. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. And I teach my people. They're all, most of them, 90% are unchurched people. My wife will tell you, we had an event. We used to have an event every year at the Palazzo Versace. And we gave 1.8 million to missions from unchurched people. And on the last service of the last event after 10 years, I'm trying to find a guest speaker. I thought, I'll get Glenn Garay and I'll get what, whatever. And, 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 and my wife said, well, why don't you do it? How many of you know, I always know when God wants me to do something because I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, apologize. I don't apologize. Be Jesus. I don't want to be Jesus. I want to send them to meet Jesus. I don't want, I don't want. So, so we had this event. And so we, we, I just got my wife to sing and they started to sing for, uh, a, a great song. You know, before the world began, you were on his mind. Every tear you cry was precious in his eyes. And we, I said, I've given you great books all my life. And, but now I'm going to give you the greatest book of all. And I gave them all Bibles. And it just really touched the whole thing. And, when we started to speak out against what was happening in Australia, which was absolutely demonic, still is, by the way, it's not over. Australia still is in the grip of socialism, communism, and now they've got people out there that are so left that they make your people look like Christians. And they, and, but they can stay on a bike. And they said to me, I want to get to my message. I want to get to my message. They said to me, Pat, if you start speaking out, number one, the churches won't ever have you. I said, they don't have me anyway. Number two, they said, it'll affect your business. You will lose your business. Well, the very opposite happened. We spoke out one thing and it went just crazy viral. and, And all of a sudden, our business went like that, where we tripled in 12 months. Now... I want to share a message tonight. Let me just say to you, I believe this Bible wants you to prosper. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And it is not 
You know, people go, oh, you know, you're into that prosperity uh, gospel. Well, firstly, it's not a gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John there. The gospels, it's a principle. And there are different levels when it comes to Bible economics. Give me a wave if you understand that. Now, there is the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Let me try that again. The tithe. God, is God's nickel in your pocket? Most people let the blessing of God bypass them for a nickel. Now, but then there's other things in, 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 when it comes to uh, increasing in God, where God asks you to do something absolutely extraordinary that no one else gets. How many of you, you see, when God calls you to do something, it's not a committee call. God speaks to you. But then you've got people around you that want you to explain it. Generally, it's called relatives. Tonight, I want to speak to you on the test of your treasures. Are you with me, yes or yes? I know this weekend you've got something special coming on. And I really believe, I, was, I, was, I had three messages stirring in my heart, but I know this is the one. You see, some, sometimes God needs something you have more than you need it. Sometimes God needs a donkey. Luke chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus goes and says, go and find a donkey and he's tied up. And if anyone asks you about that donkey, what are you doing? Say, the Lord needs it. Everybody say, the Lord needs it. Well, that's my donkey. Yeah, but the Lord needs it. That's my muffin. Yeah, but God needs it. I've got 10 muffins here. Can you imagine if some little kid was hungry, came up the street there and said, Pastor Pat, I'm so hungry. Can I have a muffin? And I went, no. Nah. <laughs> Just believe God. God gave me 10 muffins. I'm, I'm getting to my, I'm running ahead of myself. And God said, give me your nickel. God needs your nickel for there to be food in the house. The pastor, or campus pastor, but we'll give him a bigger slice because he's the pastor. <laughs> and then, no, no, she gets her own. Oh, okay. I'm just used to. Yeah, I know. I know that feeling. And, 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 and the pastor's wife and the women's ministry and uh, you do the kids' ministry? You do now. The children's <laughs> ministry and, 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 and the casting out demons in husbands' oh, ministry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a wave if you get it. God needs what you have more than you need it. Because God knows your need and he's interested in meeting your need through what he needs from you. Have I totally confused anybody? Say kumbaya if it's all good. You see, God needs, I haven't finished on this yet. And the Bible here in the word of God, turn with me in the book of Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. God will always test you. See, when it comes to the tithe, God says, test me, prove me. When it comes to your treasure, God says, I'm going to test you. 
Deuteronomy 28, verse 11 says, And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. The Lord will open up to you His good treasure. God wants to open up His good treasure, but then God then comes and tests you at your point of treasure. Turn with me to Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham, where tithing started. People say to me, aren't tithing's under the law? Do you know people that don't read their Bible say really stupid things? (laughs) How many of you met people like that? It's under the law. No, it's not. This started in the book of Genesis, which is a book of beginnings. This is where you get marriage from. Matter of fact, Genesis, I'm not going to preach on that tonight. That's my tithe message. But Genesis 15, that's where communion started. Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. And Abraham offered him a what of all? A what? A a muffin out of his tan. A nickel out of his buck. Give me a wave if you're still with me. I say to people, you don't want to tithe? Don't take communion. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's New Testament. That's right, we're under a better covenant. Let's take it up a level. Jesus didn't nullify that. See, that word, will a man rob God? And I've got got to hustle because I haven't even started on my, my message yet. That word, will a man rob God? There are all kinds of words for the word rob. That word rob means, will you, it's a word last, will you hurt God Will you block God with intention to hurt him? Let me illustrate it. In that picture, it's a picture. Okay, wow, that's a big jug. Can I have, where's Santa's helper? Wow, man went up a level. You see, not yet, okay. This is you. Look how skinny you are. You've been kidnapped by Jenny Craig. This this is you. This is God. When we don't tithe, what would it you can't steal from God? What are you gonna take from God? But the word will a man rob God, it's the picture in Hebrew of a goblet. And a goblet with a lid on it. So will a man Block, stop God from doing what he does. That's what, you are hurting God. And God doesn't want, what God wants, come on brother, help me here. God wants to do this. Now, God wants there to be a blessing. Just pour it brother, keep pouring. God wants to pour out his blessing, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over until there, can you hurry up with this? Until there is a complete overflow in your life. Can I get an amen? amen? That's the tithe. Hang on, we haven't finished yet. How many of you here want to be obedient tithers? Raise your hand. People go, mm, can you hold that for me, please? You got all this and God says, give me one. 
If you and I were in business together and I said, you take 90%, I'll take 10. You would be a Democrat not to say yes. <laughs> Did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said it. And he made me do it. I didn't mean that. <laughs> See, we say 10%, nah. God goes, okay, no problem. <laughs> Am I in trouble now? <laughs> You're on your own. Wow. Let me just say this. Tithing protects And then that protection leads to overflow. Are you with me? Now, I just gave you a 45-minute message in too long. All right, so God will test you at your treasure. You see, there are some things in your life that are invaluable. That beautiful testimony of this lovely young lady said, we wanted to build our kitchen, but it's a treasure. Years ago, I went to, to Wales where there was a massive outbreak of revival. And I went to the church where Evan Roberts preached. And there was a pulpit there, Leanne. And this pulpit is a pulpit where he preached. And I said, how much is it to buy that pulpit? And the custodian said, it's not for sale. I said, everything's for sale. He goes, not that. I said, name me a price. He said, we've had Billy Graham here, we've had Jerry Savelle here, and we have you here. The answer is the same. That is precious. It's priceless. It will never be sold. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. And God comes along in Genesis and tests his man of faith at the point of treasure. Turn with me to Genesis 22 verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So far, so good. Take now your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I tell you. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, he split the wood and the burnt offering, watch this, and arose and went to the place. Everybody say the word, the place. Come on, say the place. What did he send him to? The place. You see, when we read this, we read in there that God's name was Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is not a name of God. Now, Jehovah Rafika is the name of God. But Jehovah Jireh is something more. You know, it, when I first got saved, we used to sing this song in church, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Uh, does anybody remember that song? <laughs> Five of us. <laughs> See, it's not a song. I'm going to show you. God says, take I take your son Isaac. Listen to me. Isaac represents a future. Isaac represents the Messianic lineage. Isaac represents a promise. This is Abraham's treasure. Give me a wave if you get it. And God says, take him to the land of Moriah. The land of Moriah is a long stretch. 
The land of Moriah is the place where the temple would be built. Are you with me so far? Give me a wave. The land of Moriah is the place where Jesus Christ will come back again, which I believe and which I preach on, and he will split the eastern sky and he will sit on the throne of David. Mark my words. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so God says to Abraham, Abraham, this is your son. This is the one. I don't have all the scripture to get into it. I do, but it'll take too long. Are you still with me? My espresso's kicking in. This is the future. This is the one that's going to have the sand of the seashore. He says, take him to the place, I tell you, and kill him. God, did you not take your medication this morning? And again, watch this. It says, and Abraham, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place. Say it again, the place. Now, twice he's called it the place. And then as Abraham's going up there, are you still with me? Give me a yes or a yes. As he's going up there, the Bible says, so Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it on the boy. He took the fire in his hand. And he said to the guys that were with him, you stay here. Now, that is an interesting piece of scripture. Why would Abraham say to these guys, stay here? Because human emotion would have got involved and they would have stopped Abraham doing what God wanted. You can't afford that. Didn't you give last year? Didn't you sacrifice? They're always after your money. When it comes to biblical obedience, there is no room for human emotion. We have a culture today obsessed with making kids feel good rather than giving them direction and a future. Give me a wave, you get it. My little granddaughter the other day was sitting next to me. She's uh, four or five, and, and she was looking at herself. I said, what are you doing, Leo? She says, I'm a kitten. Now, if that was in today's culture, they'd say, there you go. You've got to transition her. Today, she's a kitten. Tomorrow, she's a princess. This morning, she was a chef. I got the video. Bear with me here. God says to Abraham, Take him to that place, but leave those people with you because some people you can't take with you. Let me, I'm, I'm running ahead of myself, but every time, every time some God asks you to do something extraordinary, especially in the area of financial sacrifice, there's always some Judas says, saying, what a waste. You've always got one. Give me a wave if you're with me. That you, you feel led. I remember when I took over Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge was $276,000 in debt, losing $27,000 a month with four boys in the program. Now, either those boys ate a lot of food or the leadership needed to be shot. Now, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. But my cousins... I got two cousins. I got two cousins. Uh, Vinny and Vinny. And see, see, what happens with Americans and Australians, they, they go to books to get the name of their kids. Oh, let's call this one Shakawa. Let's call this one David with an E. <laughs> Italians, you know what we do? We look around our relatives. <laughs> I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to take over Teen Challenge. 
Well, I actually didn't want to take. I had enough. I had Youth Alive. I had the Hillsong Church. I got this board, that board, Mercy Ministry. I had more boards. Oh, my Lord. Plus running, you know, 1,200 churches at that time. And Lord said, do this one for me. I went, I don't want to do this for you. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that attacked because, well, you've never taken drugs and you don't know drugs and you don't know this. And I took it away from a rundown farm and I put it in the middle of a Bible college. I don't know if you remember that, Jürgen. I put it right in the middle of the Assembly of God Bible College. They were in debt. They needed money. I needed 50 rooms. The, the, The head of that college said to me when I went with my offer that he couldn't refuse, He said, why would I want to have 50 drug addicts here at my facility? I said, dear God, Pastor, why would the future ministers of of a Christian church be be working with broken humanity? Just a gentle tap on the nose. And then I said, and I'll pay for all the food. We're Italians. We can feed an army with a bowl of pasta. (laughs) We've got no problem. But it's amazing how everyone, the human emotion tried to talk you out. Listen to me because I want to get to the point. God says, take him to the place. And again, it says, and when they came to the place. So there they are. They got the wood. And the boy goes, Dad, we got the wood. We got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at him and says, well, If you heard of Dr. Phil, you're going to be going to see him soon. (laughs) And as Abraham is about to strike him, watch this. What does God say? Abraham lifted his eyes. He, 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 He was about to strike him and God said, don't touch him. When they came to that place, it says, where God told him, he bound his son, laid him on the fire, lifted up the knife and God said, don't touch him. And the Bible says, and he named that place where they found the ram in the thicket, Jehovah Jireh. I'm about to give you a truth bomb. Let me tell you, how many of you want to experience Jehovah Jireh? Give me a wave. Where God supplies all your need. Give me a wave. Let me tell you, Jehovah Jireh is not a name. It's a place. And it's a place where a future vision meets the sacrifice Is that too much for a Wednesday night? It's where the future, this is the future and sacrifice me. You see, God wanted the treasure. Let me, let me go ahead. Next passage of scripture. Here we read in the word of God, Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. It says that Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how. Saw how they gave. And I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, the widow, she only gave one mite. Listen to me very carefully. When God is there in in, in Jesus, he's there as God and man. See, we can see what people give, but we can't see how people give. Only God can do that. And Jesus is sitting at the, Jesus is looking in the offering bucket, Michael. At how? And the rich in all their abundance, they're, they're forking out 10 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand. 
This lady has just one little treasure. Isaac had one son. Abraham had one son. And she gives it. She gave treasure. Do you know when Abraham, when I, let me get back to Abraham. Abraham divided land to Lot. God did nothing. When Abraham tithed, God gave him a promise of his son. But when, God, when Abraham, sorry, when Abraham tithed, again, there was protection. But when Abraham went to sacrifice his, sacrifice his son, he got a whole genealogy down there. It's that treasure. You see, the tithe is what we ought to do. We ought to do, Jesus said. Come on, we say we ought to do. But that sacrificial giving, that, 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 that little might, another one where they gave a treasure. Let me give you this. In Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Are you still with me? Yes, yes. yes. Mark chapter 4. I'll talk fast, okay? Mark chapter 14. Chapter 14. 14. <laughs> the bank's down, comes out of the boy. People don't know what that is, but Leanne and you are going to do. You can take bank's down out of the boy, but you can't take the boy out of bank's down. In Matthew 14... 14, verse 3 and 9. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. And there were some among themselves who said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? There you go. She gives something. Now let me tell you, this wasn't a bottle of Chanel or Mademoiselle. Guys, it wasn't a bottle of Old Spice. Do you have Old Spice here? There's a reason they call it Old Spice. Stay away. <clears throat> Remember, God always, sorry, God sometimes asks you for something that he needs more than you need it. Remember that. Give me Isaac. The coin. Now, this alabaster flask. Please don't tell me. I've got 10 minutes. Don't play yet. Because I feel like I'm at the, I, I feel like I'm at the Academy Awards. <laughs> I, I promise I'll get you back. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? Let me say that. Listen to me. That alabaster flask wasn't just a bottle of perfume. Listen to me. Number one, it represented a year's wage. Number two, that was her dowry that she would give to get out of the hell of a life she was in. That, that, that alabaster flask meant better life for my children. I'm coming out of poverty. Many people say that she was a prostitute. This is going to get me out of the hell I'm in. I remember being in Toledo, Ohio, speaking one day on a flat top truck and this lovely African-American lady comes in there and she's got three or four of her kids and she got a dollar bill. And I'm preaching, I got my clothes on, you know, and uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I, I had some nice clothes on, I meant to say. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that, that'll end up on Google as well. <laughs> so I, I, I'm speaking and the, stop it now. Come back, children, come back. And she's standing there with this dollar. 
<laughs> You're not even going to let me live that down, are you? <laughs> so she's standing there with this dollar, Pastor Jurgen. And she comes up after I'm finished preaching. She goes, man of God, this is my last dollar. She says, I, I'm going to sow this. I said, no, 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 you don't have to. I don't, I don't. I said, she says, you listen to me. I know you. you know, she, this lady was moving and she was standing still. I'm trying, she, and she's looking at me with attitude. I love her. They're so awesome. And she goes, she says, I know you don't need my dollar, you and your fancy clothes. But my dollar needs you. This is my ticket out of this hell. I swear, when I had my office at Castle Hill, I had a picture of this lady, and then that Christmas, her children dressed better. Then another picture, she got a job. Then another photo, her kids are in different clothes. Then another photo, she gets engaged. Then another, listen to this, she ended up being the head of a medical center. You see, if you, listen, if you do something extraordinary, something that is precious, this girl gives the alabaster flask her future. I break it for the gospel. I pour it on his head, his burial. And Jesus says, you guys that are making the, the saying what a waste, she did this as a memorial. And Jesus said, as long as the gospel is preached, I'm still preaching about it today. You see, God takes it as a memorial. So there's nothing more precious than an alabaster flask. Come on, I'll be, I'll be quick. There's nothing more precious than a promise. God, I give you this. When I wrote my first book, Wake Up and Dream, I made a commitment to the Lord that I would give all the proceeds of my first book to the work of the Lord. I wrote the book. I thought I got maybe about 50 relatives that will feel sorry for me and buy a copy. I'm in Perth speaking at a church called Raymond Church, Sunday night. The next morning, we get a call. We said, we hear Pat Massey's written a book called Wake Up a Dream. My secretary, Kylie, says, uh, yeah, he has. He says, have you published it yet? She says, no, we're waiting for our first order. Pat made a commitment to the Lord. Click. Phone rings again. Can you send us a copy of the book? I said, Kylie, just fax it. Who remembers faxes? Look at the fossils in this room. See, see we're, the, we're, we're the dinosaurs, man. We fat. You guys screenshot. We, we actually remember when we used to have tapes. Remember ta who remembers the tapes? And when you want to record some love songs for your girlfriend, you'd like try and press record tape. You know? and, then, and then you've got to try and rewind the thing. You kids got nothing. So Kylie sends the, 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 the book out. She gets a phone call back, and Sadie Karen Avil's guy says, you've not published the book yet. She says, no, we're waiting for our first order. Karen says, well, here's your first order. 27,000 copies. It was $183,000. I had a piece of land in Glenhaven I wanted to buy that was $183,000. The envelope was open. My wife even looked at it and said, this money doesn't belong to us. That book sold 700,000 copies. I only promised God the first order. <laughs> 
When you give God, let me give you, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. I've I, I got to hustle. First Kings, First Kings, are you still with me? Yes. First Kings 17.10. First Kings 17.10. There is nothing more valuable, nothing more precious than a last meal. Would you agree? Even a prisoner gets the last meal. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, for there I have commanded a, a, a widow to provide for you. He arose, went to Zarephath. Indeed, there was a woman gathering sticks. He called her, please bring me a little water and a cup that I can drink. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour, a bit, a little oil, a jar. I'm gathering it. I'm going to prepare it that my son and I may eat it and die. I don't think there's anything more valuable than a last meal. And the prophet says, give it to me first. Now let me tell you something I discovered about women, especially moms. They will starve themselves to feed their boy. And she takes it and gives it to him. And he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Because sure enough, when God asks you to do something extraordinary like that, are you with me, saints? Give me a, give me a, there's always going to be a voice of negativity, someone telling you it's a waste, or then the fear kicks in and says, you know what, really? If there is no fear, there really isn't any faith, is there? Wow. Treasures. And the final one, I had two more, but I'm, I'm going to finish up. Are you sure? I, 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 I only said that for effect. I don't have two more. I've I got to find them now. <laughs> We've got the alabaster flask. You've got Abraham. You've got the widow's might. You've got, you, you got, you got Jürgen killing me here in the front row. You've got... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be serious here. You've got the last meal. But this is the last one. This one. My gosh. This one. Before Calvary, when you read the, the scripture, when God got mad... He's opening up the earth. He's swallowing people. He's getting mad. He's sending down fire. Blood is just everywhere. Fire coming down out of heaven. All kinds of stuff that, of course, the, the woke culture, you know, and cancel culture, they forget that there's two sides of God. But ever since... God gave the pearl of great price. Wow. God gave his treasure. You never read about him doing it again, except once when two people lied about money in the New Testament. They made a pledge and they did a shifty deal. 
commençons à dire, oh, mon fassa. Am I right? God never did it. Except when it came to an issue of Ananias and Sapphira. You guys have an amazing thing happening here on the weekend. Miracles are going to come out of this. I want to share with you a story. I had a marriage breakdown, and but before that, we were at a church. My mum had died, and my mum left me an inheritance. I was struggling financially. It was about $112,000. And Lord said, when they do the kingdom builders, I want you to put $100,000 in. I said, God, it's all I have. And he said, that's all I'm asking for. How many of you hate it when you know it's God? Because you can't think like that. I can't, th- I, I can't think that fast. And at that time, I, I was incapable of having children. I needed to have a particular procedure to be able to do that. So we went to the pastor and said, we want to do this, but we're going to believe for a child. And he said, and I quote, I'm really good at getting women pregnant. (laughs) You know the man. And we just handed this check over. They gave me a 30% chance. Sophia was conceived a month later. Sophia is 17 years of age today. Because God now, now you can come, Mr. Piano Player. You missed your cue. Now, now. She, you paid this guy. Hey, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Listen to me. Listen to me, because I don't want to. I don't want to take away of the seriousness moment. Untie the donkey. Anyone asks a question, the master needs it. You see, you've got nothing to explain and everything to declare. You have nothing to explain. You have nothing. Our culture, we don't have to debate. We don't have to debate. We've got something to declare. And I'm telling you, I'm going to declare something. That those of you that get involved and do something sacrificial, I will not offer the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing. The master needs something. You've got more than you need it. I need the donkey. I need the muffin. I need the alabasca to create a memorial. I need the mic to show that I am the God that sees how, not what. I need the sun so I can provide for my people and be an example, Jehovah Jireh, for all of eternity. Give me your son. John Harper was born to a pair of solid Christian parents on May 29th, 1872. It was on the last Sunday of March, 1886, when he was 13 years of age that he received the call to give his life to Christ. 
He never knew what it was to sow his wild oats, and he began to preach about four years later at the ripe old age of 17 by going down to the streets of the village and pouring his soul earnestly and treating men to be reconciled to God. As John Harper's life unfolded, one thing was apparent. He was consumed by the Word of God, just like Jürgen, just like Leanne. When asked by various ministers what his doctrine consisted of, he was known to reply, my doctrine is the Word of God. After five or six years of toiling on the street corners preaching, the Lord blessed him by giving him a church, the Baptist Pioneer Mission in London, England. This set Harper free to devote his whole time and energy to preaching the Word of God. Soon later, John Harper was married. He gave birth to a beautiful, he and his wife gave birth to a beautiful little daughter called Nana. John Harper, ironically, during his lifetime, almost drowned several times. When he was two and a half years of age, he almost drowned when he fell into a well, but was resuscitated by his mother. At the age of 26, he was swept out to sea by a reverse current and barely survived. And at 32, he faced death on a leaking ship in the Mediterranean. Perhaps God used his experience to prepare his servant for what was to come next. It was the night of April 14, 1912. The RMS Titanic sailed swiftly onto the bitterly cold ocean waters, heading unknowingly into the pages of history. On board the luxury liner were many rich and famous. At the time of the ship's launch, it was the largest man-made movable object. At 11.40 on that fateful night, Icebergs scraped the ship's starboard side, showering the decks with ice, ripping open the six water compartments. The sea began to pour in. On board that ship that night was John Harper and his beloved six-year-old Nana. According to documented reports, as soon as it was apparent the ship was going to sink, John Harper immediately took his daughter into a lifeboat. It is reasonable to assume that this widowed preacher could have easily gotten to the boat and saved himself. However, it never crossed his mind. He bent down, kissed his daughter goodbye. Looking into her eyes, he told her he would see her again someday. The flares going off in the dark sky reflected the tears on his face as he turned and headed towards the crowd of desperate humanity on the sinking ocean liner. As the rear of the huge ship began to lurch upwards, it was reported that Harper was making his way up the deck yelling, women, children and unsaved get into the lifeboat. It was only minutes later that the Titanic began to rumble deep within. Most people thought it was an explosion. Actually, the gargantuan ship was literally breaking in half. At this point, many people jumped off the decks into the icy water below. John Harper was one of these people. That night, 1,528 people went into the frigid waters. John Harper was seen frantically swimming into the water, leading them to Jesus one by one before hypothermia became fatal. Mr. Harper swam up to one young man who climbed onto a piece of debris and Harper said to him, are you saved? The young man said, no. He said, will you give your life to Christ? He says, sir, I most certainly will not. Harper then took off his life jacket and said, then you need this more than I do. And he swam away to the other people. A few minutes later, Harper swam back to the young man and succeeded in leading him to salvation. Of the people that were the survivors of that, that night, this young man was one of them. And the final words he could hear John Harper say as he drowned in those ocean waters, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and you shall be saved. Sometimes the master needs something that you have more than you do. You have something in your life account. You have something. I want you all to stand right now. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not going to take this service any longer than I need to. But where are those of you tonight that will say, Father, speak to me. Let me bring something to you that you need more than I need. Just raise your hand if that's you right now. Raise your hand if that's you. I know you've got your Friday night and nation of the kingdom builders. But I want you to commit something in your soul now. Now. Stretch yourself. Write it. Tell your wife. If your wife says one figure and you got another, it probably means God wants you to add it together. Father, I pray right now that you would seal this message into the hearts of people. Father, that You're asking to become Jehovah Jireh in our lives through an act of our faith. And yes, Lord, we are afraid, but help us to be unafraid. And yes, Lord, we sometimes don't believe, but you help our unbelief. And Father, like John Harper, like Abraham, like the widow's might, like the widow's last meal, we commit to bringing something to you that will literally cause the gates of hell to shudder in fear. And it will cause darkness to be dispersed. Well, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ right now, every head bowed, eyes closed. God has something that you need, and it's His Son, Jesus, and salvation. If you have never given your life to Christ, and tonight you say, Pat, pray for me. I want heaven, not hell. I want life, not death. Would you raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see? If you're unsure of your spiritual condition, would you raise that hand up high enough and long enough for me to see? If you would like me to include you in my prayer, just raise it up. God bless you over there. I see that hand. It's not about money. It's about your heart. God's got your heart. He's got everything else. Raise it up high. You're unsure of your spiritual condition. You don't know where you stand. God bless you up there. God bless you up there. Just raise it up high enough and long enough for me to see. Raise it up right now. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. I want everyone to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I confess my need of you. I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins and make me your child. Have mercy on me. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.